Welcome to the porch. I'm Richard Grun. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basics, by examining the Word of God, and especially the example of the Book of Acts Church, to see how the early church served the Lord. By delving deeper into Scripture, we find the church the Lord intended, and not the one that man created. The porch has always been about restoring the priesthood of the believer and regaining the world-shaking influence that the early church had. The church age is still in effect. The day of Pentecost is ongoing. The fire of the upper room still burns. If you have any questions, go to firefalltalkradio.com, use the contact button, or you can write us directly at the porch, lowercase one word, at firefalltalkradio.com. If you'd like to support us, there are ways to do so. Go to the Firefall Talk Radio homepage. We appreciate your support and encouragement. Welcome to all of our listeners from the various streaming platforms. Remember, we can always be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Spotify, as well as Spreaker, Blog Talk Radio, Podbean, and SoundCloud. Okay, well, the Shofar has sounded, it's time to get ready. It's time to get to the Word of God. Now, before we do that, we always start out with um, Praises Porch, Prayer Request, the community part of the porch. If you don't want to be a part of that, go straight to the second Shofar and right into the Bible study. But if you want to be here and you want prayers um, offered and you want to praise God, if you want to be a part of an international community, Go to firefalltalkradio.com, use the contact button, give us your praise reports and prayer requests, and we'll share them. We only use your first name and where you're from, so we keep a level of anonymity and privacy. We start out with praise first. You never enter his presence without praise. So, of course, I praise him for my salvation. Without that, I'm not here. I'm doing something else. I'm on a pathway to eternal destruction. But he saved me, he redeemed me, cleansed me, set me free, gave me back everything that the enemy almost destroyed, my my wife, my sons, uh, my family, everything I have now is because of the Lord. Whether it's my wife, my sons, daughter-in-laws, grandson, furry kids, everything I have is from him. So I praise him for that. I praise him for doing this with you. I love doing this. I love teaching the Word, reading the Word, studying the Word. I like talking about Him. If You can't shut me up once I get going because I love Him that much. And I appreciate Him and what He's done for me. I praise Him for protection, provision, the dreams, the visions, everything that He does for us to encourage us. And edify us, his divine abiding favor, which lets us know he's still with us. For the revelation of the Holy Spirit, who walks with us and teaches us and guides us. We are new creations, living in times of prophecy. And I praise him for that. As bad as it may seem sometimes, I am glad to be living now and to be serving him now. To do that, we pray. We pray first for the peace of Jerusalem, 
May they prosper who love you. Psalm 122, verse 6. We pray for America, for its leadership, its people. We pray for the church. Pray for our brothers and sisters around the world being persecuted, slaughtered, destroyed, homes, places of fellowship and worship. You know, the enemy's still doing what he's always done. We need to do what we're supposed to do. I pray against the slaughter of the innocents, both in and out of the womb, both human and animal. As I always say, we've not been good stewards of his creation. I pray for the missing and exploited children, the women, the young men, those that have been victimized by human sex trafficking. (coughs) Excuse me, there's a trial going on right now. It's a diversion. It's a show. It's not really going to do anything about the bigger issue. They want to make you think they're doing something, but we, as the body of Messiah, can pray. We can strike back. We can do what we do in the spirit realm. So pray. Pray for them. Pray for our brothers and sisters. Pray against the growing persecution, the anti-Semitism, all the things that the spirit of the Antichrist is doing. We are here to push back. So pray against those plans. I pray for divine wholeness, health, and healing. Getting back to our divine design is necessary. To do what he needs us to do, we need to be healthy. To run and not grow weary. To walk and not faint. Pray for divine protection, for inspiration. I pray for the remnant alarm clock to awaken all who are called for this time. I pray that he would open all the doors for all the projects and plans that he has given us. Prayer for kingdom finances, for kingdom business, and for our lost family members. Uh, I've asked you to pray for my friend Jane in Los Angeles. I've spoken to her. She's getting better, but she needs prayers. She needs to be lifted up. She needs to be held up in the spirit through our prayers for continued healing and renewal as her body gets back to its divine design so that she is able to fulfill the calling that she has on her life. I heard from Allison in Scotland this week, and um, I just want to bless her on her new health journey. As with others, being um, locked up and shut down and all those things has not been good, but that was yesterday. Today's a different day. So I pray, and I hope you will too, for her encouragement and endurance for that and the spiritual battles that she's in. She did ask for prayer for those that are close to her to know the Lord. Uh, Dawn and Mark in South Carolina. Dawn needs prayer for healing and health. She's had a lot of health issues over the years, and right now she's going through some, so keep her in your prayers. Kim in Fort Mitchell says she's doing good. As always, she praises the Lord for her salvation, for her recovery from in the natural is a hopeless disease, but it's not natural when he, it's not hopeless when he gets involved. She says, I praise him for my children, my husband, my mother, and my dog, Bruno. She says, please pray for my children and whatever it is they face in this world. She said, please help me pray for my children and whatever it is they face in this world. So to bring protection over them as well as the porch community. Father, guide our families, provide for us. Uh, she needs prayer for her son, Maurice, trying to work out a work conflict of a new job that he's applied for. The dorms at the college he goes to, they close till mid-January. So she's asking for, 
favor and prayer that the new employer will be okay with him starting then. Praying for husband and mother's soul, uh, for the legal matter in Germany to go away, and for continued good health, strong mind and body in Jesus' name. My Father, I know that there are so many more prayers right now being offered up to you. So we just trust that you're hearing them. That they're rising up like incense to you in the throne room. We thank you for loving us when we were unlovable. We thank you for making a way for us when there seemed to be no way. We thank you for sending Yeshua to pay for our debts with every drop of blood. To do what he did to absorb the cost so that we could be set free and reconciled to you. And as your children, we boldly approach the throne of grace and mercy, saying, Abba, Father, Papa, God, Daddy. We are your children, and we want to be close to you, and we want to feel your presence. So we thank you, Lord, for doing that for us. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for caring about us and for sending the Holy Spirit to walk with us, to remind us of what you've said and the teachings and all that we need he gives to us. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for doing the job you do. We thank you for your patience with us. So bless this time, bless the technology, bless everything that we're doing and saying tonight. I pray this word go forth in spirit and in power and in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. Amen. Lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. Open up your Bibles. Let's get ready. Go with me to Luke chapter 9. We're going to start with verse 1. This is basically what inspired the teaching tonight. And then he called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said to them, Take nothing for the journey, neither staffs, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics apiece. Whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And who will whoever will not receive you when you go out of that city. Shake up, back up, do the rewind thing. Take nothing for your journey. Neither staffs, nor bag, nor bread, nor money. And do not have two tunics apiece. Whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And whoever will not receive you, When you go out of that city, shake the very dust from your feet as a testimony against them. 
So they departed, and they went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Yeshua sent out his twelve disciples in other places. It says the twelve or the twelve apostles, but their job was to announce the arrival of the kingdom of God. And to do that, they needed to demonstrate the authority of the kingdom of God by casting out demons and healing the sick. Yeshua was training them to carry on his work when he was gone, and he left that for a pattern for us to follow. They were being assigned the responsibility of representing him. That's the church's responsibility now. And the entire nation of Israel needed to see the evidence of the kingdom of God to make their decision concerning their king. And the world needs to do it too. And Israel will do it again when they appear him, but now it'll be different. We see the same story in Matthew 10. I'll just read you verse 1 and verses 5 through 8. And when he called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of disease. These twelve Yeshua sent out and commanded them, saying, Do do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost house of Israel, and as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Now, he knew that he was going to send Paul out later on to the Gentiles, but the job started with Israel. The signs of the kingdom to the people was heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. And the last part is so key. Freely you have received, freely give. There's no price on it. You can't charge for it. It was given to you. You must give it away. And this kind of ministry meant that you were living dependent upon him and him alone and the charity of those that you ministered to. And nothing has changed in his mindset. It's only the world that has changed the church. When he told them to stay in the same house, it was about developing lasting relationships. It was also about being content with what they had without seeking better lodging or better provisions. And of course, if they were rejected, they were told to shake the dust from their feet, which was spiritual supernatural rejection, basically saying the town deserved the judgment it was going to get. But the thing about this, it was total service to the kingdom. Now you may say, I'm not in ministry. Yeah, you are. You are. You're supposed to be sharing the gospel. You're supposed to be living the life I'm talking about. So we jump down to Luke chapter 10, starting verse 17. And the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Now remember, they're not born again, and they're not spirit-filled. But by using his delegated name and authority, the demons were subject to them. And this is what the Lord says. I saw Hasatan fall like lightning from heaven. 
Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Power over demons should not be the source of joy. But our joy should come from our relationship with him by the spirit of adoption, by being restored to our heavenly father, our names being written in heaven in the Lamb's book of life. It should never be about those things. In the ministry delegated to the disciples and therefore to the church symbolizes the defeat of Satan and his kingdom, the defeat over the curse of sin and death, basically taking away Satan's ultimate power. But the power isn't just about the authority. It's a tool for furthering the kingdom of God. It's a tool to implement salvation and divine reconciliation, and that should be the focus. I had to learn the hard way that that's the focus. I did everything I did, as I've shared before in my testimony and in the book, The Supernatural Battle. I did what I did to get even with the demons for what they did to me. It wasn't until he taught me compassion and love that I began to do it for the right reasons. But he gave them power. He gave us power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Acts 1.8 I taught this before. I'm going to do it again. That power, that exousia. Translate as power, authority, right, liberty, jurisdiction, strength. We've been given, you and I, delegated authority. We've been given the right to use his power as received when needed, primarily to further the kingdom and destroy the work of the enemy. So they give you power to tread on. That word tread on, that phrase tread on, means absolute mastery over. So why, why aren't we doing that? Where, where's this manifestation of treading upon the enemy? We see that phrase many times. Psalm ninety-one, thirteen: you shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. And I believe that those are spiritual manifestations. Psalm 108, 13, Through God we shall do valiantly, for it is he who shall tread down our enemies. Isaiah ten six, I will send him against an ungodly nation, against the people of my wrath. I will give him charge to seize the spoil, to take the prey, and they tread them down like the mire of the streets. This is our destiny. This is our legacy. This is our right as believers, born-again believers in the King of kings and the Lord of lords. 
we as believers are to have power over all the works of the devil, over all the power of the kingdom of darkness. And that, you know, I said that phrase, and nothing shall by any means hurt them. Well, we know from the story of the apostles and many others who came after them that that's not an exemption from being hurt. It doesn't imply freedom from all physical or material injury because many died and were injured in their service to the Lord. It just means that when he deems so and you are in action for the kingdom against the enemy, He'll protect you against those serpents and scorpions and the power of the enemy, referring referring to demonic powers primarily. Although it does imply immunity from wild beasts and from poisons, we know in Acts 28.5, after Paul is shipwrecked and they're making a fire, this poisonous snake, this creature comes out of the wood and bites him, and he just shook the creature off into the fire and suffered no harm. He didn't swell up. He didn't die. Now, why am I teaching this to you? I don't know how many of you have a desire for ministry, but you do live in a fallen world. You are being ruled by a corrupt fallen world system. You are being victimized and attacked by the enemy behind the scenes and out in the open. You need this power. And these signs shall follow those who believe, starting Mark 16, verse 17. These signs, this is Yeshua speaking, in my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Remember, before this came into the world, there wasn't a whole lot of this, not very much at all. Satan completely ruled and reigned over everything, and then Yeshua came along and shifted the balance of power. Supernatural power. I have experienced a lot of that power. Some I've shared here, and much of it I shared in my book. There's still other things I've not shared. But the point is this. When you're in service to the king, and he delegates a job for you to do, he's going to empower you to do it. He's even going to empower you to live in a fallen world. He's going to empower you to share the gospel with your friends and your family and your loved ones. That's the Holy Spirit inside of you. But the warning, the red-letter warning, if you will, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven. It's natural for man to to glory or take pride in the exercise of that power. But that pride often leads to the destruction of the servants of God. He's given a warning here. I've been in situations 
where after an exchange, after a battle, in the heat of the moment, I've only done this once, I've never done it again, in the heat of the moment, saying to the enemy or whatever entity I was dealing with, or is that the best you got? That's pride. You know what the enemy showed me? He had more. He had more. And I learned the hard way to not rejoice in that authority, not take pride in my ability over the enemies. I have confidence because of who I am in the Lord, but that mistake was only made once. It says, I've given you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, there's some commentaries, and I saw a couple of them today, that that was only for the 12 plus the 70, that that 82. Is that true? No. The Lord says otherwise. He says, He that believes, those who believe, would be able to do His works. What's the Great Commission? If you don't know, it's Mark 16, starting verse 15. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. That first part of verse 17 destroys the argument that those gifts and powers stayed with those original 82. And then I've already read the sign. Casting out demons, laying hands on the sick, the whole bit. Then you go to verse 19. Then the Lord, after having spoken to them, was received up to heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. So where is he now? He's left. He's ascended. He's sitting at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere. I'm sure they did. I'd be a little jacked up at that moment. And the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Wait a second here. Well, how did the Lord work with them? He's on the throne. They're down there. Through the infilling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in them. The Holy Spirit in us. We are no less able to do what they did Are you getting this? Is this getting through to you? Some of you are struggling. I mean, the enemy's really having some fun at your expense. And he's not even using the heavy hitters to do it. My attitude is, if the enemy's going to send somebody to mess with me, I'm going to make him send his best. Remember Acts 1, verse 4. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You've heard from me, for God, John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And he was talking about the upper room. And then they wanted to know about the re- restoration of the kingdom of Israel. I, I'm, I'm shocked at this moment in the, in the narrative. 
You almost want to slap him. What are you doing? We're talking the kingdom of God. We're furthering the kingdom of God, and you're concerned about the kingdom of Israel? Is the church any different today? We're worried about the church in America. We're worried about American politics. That's not our job. It's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. That's the job. That's the mandate. Not to build buildings, not to have big, colorful, loud events, to go into all the world to preach the gospel to set the captives free. What was the core of Yeshua's mission? What was the core of his job? Acts 10.38 is your answer. Excuse me. How God anointed Yeshua of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. There it is. That's it. Nothing else. Destroy the works of the devil. Set the captives free. Heal those that the enemy has done harm to. And then he reassured us. And I know I've shared this with you, but this was the scripture that triggered me into going deeper and looking for more. John 14, 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. The greater works are because he sent back the Holy Spirit to us, to dwell in us, abide with us continually. Abide, permanent residence. He's not going anywhere. You've got him. He's in you. Take advantage of it. Stop whining. Stop moaning. Stop crying. Stop complaining. And get into the word. Turn the spirit loose in your life. Turn the spirit loose in your family. Turn the spirit loose over your kids. Turn the spirit loose over your marriage. Turn the spirit loose from inside of you. Romans 8.11 But if the spirit, if the Ruach of him who raised Yeshua from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Messiah from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit, which dwells in you. He dwells in you. The same spirit that raised him from the dead. The same power he used when he spoke everything into existence. The Father thought it. The Son spoke it. The Holy Spirit did it. Let there be, and there was. He spoke into existence the angels, the sons of God who shouted for joy, the Beneha Elohim. So inside of you is the power of the Creator over the creation. Don't 
Don't get prideful over that. Don't misuse it, but walk in it. Stop being victimized and become a victor. Because his spirit dwells in you. Respect that. Honor that. Cherish that. Most every day when I take the dogs out first thing in the morning, it's usually five or six in the morning and it's dark. I look up to heaven. I say, Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melecha Olam. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the Universe. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Lord. Good morning, Holy Spirit. I don't take that for granted. I don't take who I am and him for granted. It's a treasure. His Spirit allows me to do that. His Spirit connects me to the throne room. I don't need to go to somebody for a word. I don't need to listen to these false prophets, P-R-O-F-I-T-S, telling me what they think and what they hear. I can go directly to the source. Stop putting your trust in men and start developing a relationship with the Lord through his Holy Spirit that allows you to hear, that allows you to know. Mark chapter 1, starting verse 27. And then they went into Capernaum, and they being the Lord and the disciples. Immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. Now there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Yeshua rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. When the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. And then they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. In the middle of the synagogue, right after he's teaching, this demon-possessed man screams out, revealing that he's the Holy One of God, and Yeshua rebukes him. Be quiet. Hush up. Be muzzled. Kind of like what he said to the Sea of Galilee during the storm. And come out of him. There's no ritual. There's no holy water. There's no sage. There's no cross. There's no icons. There's nothing but the spoken word. And the unclean spirit throwing the man into convulsions. And screeching with a loud voice came out of him. And if you've never heard that before, it is pretty dramatic. And, the, and they were all amazed. They were also terrified. They kept questioning and demanding of each other, what is this? What new fresh teaching 
is this, with authority he gives orders to the unclean spirits and they obey him. This, even before the cross, even before the upper room, is a shift in the supernatural. This is a shift in the spiritual authority. The Lord was different than any other teacher or prophet that had come before him. He spoke with authority and it was done. No ritual, no dog and pony show, nothing. The spoken word did the job. And that's what we should be doing. That's what I do. So I know it works. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting verse 1. This is Paul speaking. When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so that you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. We've lost that. We've lost the ability in the church, through preachers and teachers, to rely upon the Word, to rely upon the Spirit, not lofty great speeches or teachings or um, all the things that we do in the church today, of some of which I was guilty of early on. Oh, it's an altar call, so we need some music. Play some music in the background to manipulate them. Not necessary. I know some of you will say, well, I was moved and it touched me. I'm not saying it doesn't, but I'm saying it's not necessary. I read a story I want to share with you. It's about Thomas Aquinas. And he visits Rome. And he's shown the gorgeousness of the papal palace. And the Pope, it is said, remarked to him, Well, Thomas, the church in our day cannot say, Silver and gold have I none. Obviously, he was very proud of the place. No, replied Aquinas, neither can she say, In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. We've lost our way. When the church increased in worldly riches and the wisdom of this world and the cares of this world, it equally and correspondingly decreased in spiritual power and holiness and effectiveness. But he warned us about this. What's amazing is he knew it would happen. But understand this, that in the last days will come, will set in perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. For people, people will be lovers of self and utterly self-centered. 
Let me take a selfie while I say that. Utterly self-centered, lovers of money, and aroused by an inordinate, greedy desire for wealth, proud and arrogant and contemptuous boasters. They will be abusive, blasphemous, scoffing, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, and profane. They will be without natural human affection. They'll be callous and inhuman. Boy, do we see that today. Relentless, admitting of no truce or appeasement, they will be slanderers, false accusers and troublemakers, intemperate and loose in morals and conduct, uncontrolled and fierce haters of good. They will be treacherous betrayers, rash and inflated with self-conceit. They will be lovers of sensuous pleasure, sensual pleasures, and vain amusements more than and rather than lovers of God. For although they hold a form of piety, they deny and reject and are strangers to the power of it. They can, their conduct belies the genuineness of their profession. Avoid all such people, turn away from them. Denying the power thereof, that in, this says in the King James They will hold a form of religion, but deny the power thereof. They'll be religious, but they'll be fake. And the end result of that, after decades, of course this is over a century ago that Paul said this to Timothy, we have seen a very religious entity that we call the church that has little to no power. And what we're seeing, especially right now, is people leaving it in droves. Rejecting the faith of their youth, claiming that they no longer believe that. We see it with people we elevate to prominence in the Christian music world or whatever suddenly wake up one day and say, yeah, I don't believe that anymore. I believe all people go to heaven. Pastors are quitting left and right, turning their back not only on their job, but on their faith, some on their families. We're watching a spiritual cancer take over his body. And that right there makes the remnant so important. Those of us that have been called out, those that have been called to be separate, those that are not in the profane camp to be defiled. We're losing our sons and our daughters. We're losing people that should know better. The problem is they were never born again. They were never transformed. His spirit was never in them. And when the enemy came to deceive them, they fell for it. False religion in this world, false beliefs are showing much more power and commitment than his true church is. They're getting better results in some cases. The average church, for the most part, fellowship building group of people, there's no signs and wonders. Nobody's getting saved, healed, and delivered. So what do they do? They turn to things, other beliefs, other religions, looking for the benefits they weren't getting there from the church. 
But we, the church, have got a job. And that's really why I believe the Lord asked me to teach this. First of all, we must want to help them. We must want to help them get free of religion and back to the Great Commission, back to the purity of the gospel. Because I will tell you this from my experiences. People are hungry for a supernatural power to touch them, to change them, to heal them. I see that a lot in the paranormal world, and I've steered clear of it for the last four years as I've stood down and stood by and gotten healed. But come January, I'm going to start speaking to them again. I've been invited onto a very popular paranormal show to talk about the spiritual aspects of what I do. People are hungry to hear the truth. They want answers to prayers. They want material help that I would love to be able to give them. Part of the reason I pray for the blessing that he has shown me and promised me, yes, of course, it's to do all the things I've shared, all the dreams and the visions, but it's to be able to help people. I met a young man today in a place of business that I went into, and while we were talking, he told me what it cost him to gain the trade that he had and how much he was getting paid for it. And I really, really wanted to be able to reach into my pocket, reach into my wallet, and bless his socks off. And I remember walking out to my car and sitting in the front seat, just about like I am now, tears in my eyes, saying, Lord, it's not right that I can't bless that young man. But I believe you're changing that. I believe you're about to change that so that it's not about money. It's about love and compassion. He wasn't asking for help. It just struck a chord in me. People want help. They want spiritual help. They want physical. They just want to know that someone cares and will take the time even to listen to them. They want freedom. They want freedom from sin. They want freedom from bondage. They want freedom from their failures. Oh my goodness, the self-help industry is making billions of dollars by reminding people of their failures and then giving them solution to those failures. Unfortunately, they're not getting that from the church. Us, the people, not the building. So they'll accept it from any source. There is no secret. If you're a believer and you've read the secret and you're posting things from the secret, you're helping me lose my teeth as I grind them down. Not understanding that is secular humanism with a mystical bent and has nothing to do with the gospel of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. There is no secret. It's in the Bible. See, they haven't seen the reality of the gospel in their lives, so they're willing to accept a substitute from Asistan and the fallen. They're so desperate for the real that they will accept the counterfeit. And that drives me crazy. 
And Satan knows this. He knows that he can deceive people with this counterfeit real power. He did it with me, so I know it's real. He used scripture, twisted scripture, took my circumstances and used them to his own advantage, took all the wounds, took everything that he knew about me, most of which he had participated in, to deceive me, and almost got my soul, almost destroyed my family. But the Lord saved me. But he's winning millions to his kingdom. The church, and especially the remnant, we need to awaken to our responsibility as the church of the Lord, as the church of the living God. And do what we were supposed to do. It can be done. And we're the ones to do it. You can do it. Don't sit there and go, well, Richard, you can do it. I've heard the stories. You've you've got the confidence. I don't have any confidence. I don't have that power. I don't know enough of the word. You've got the same spirit in you that's in me. I've just got a little more experiential knowledge. My faith is based upon that which I believe from what I know of him and that what I believe from what I've seen him do with me and through me. But it's still an act of faith. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Now this is the confidence we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, underline that part, according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. If it's according to his will, he hears you and he wants to bless you. He wants to do it through you. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Hebrews eleven six. For he who comes to God, for he who comes to God, for she who comes to God, must believe that he is, well, that he is God. And he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If you diligently seek him, if you hunger for him, if you, if you are just so caught up that you can't be denied, he's not going to deny you. He wants to be found by you. And he will reward you for that. Peter says in 1 Peter 1.5, we are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And we know in the New Testament, salvation is past, present, and future. He's talking about the glorious salvation at the second coming of Messiah. And it's near. It's in view. Can you see it? Can you feel it? Do you hope for it? Do you pray for it? It's going to be revealed. We can't see it just yet. But when it's fully revealed, and the fullness of salvation is complete in us, it'll be awesome. It's coming. But he gave us power to endure. He gave us power to endure. He gave us power to have hope and to offer hope. Hope is the essential element to life, not just a happy life. You need hope. 
And when you're in the midst of whatever you're going through, tragedy, whatever, that hope points you to the light at the end of the tunnel, which is the lamp of his word, which is his heart, which is his love. Hope is about the promises of God. Hope is about redeeming us on a hill called Calvary. We are the ambassadors of this message of hope. If you don't have it, how can you share it? Get it. We are the elect, 1 Peter 1, 2. We are the elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Yeshua HaMashiach. The Holy Spirit works in us. He has set us apart and to assist us in our calling. So our hope stems directly from the active work of the Spirit in our lives, of this power I've been talking about. You're wondering why you feel hopeless? You need to tap into the Holy Spirit. Our hope is based upon the Lord alone. His resurrection furthers that hope. He's not a dead prophet. He's a risen Savior. Our hope begins and ends with Yeshua. He is our hope. And with the source of this hope in the resurrection, the source of our hope and the substance of that hope in his returns, it's an inheritance. An inheritance that can't be polluted, will not fade away, will not rust, can't be stolen. It's reserved for us in heaven. It's been guaranteed by the Lord himself. And God the Father keeps us by his power through our faith in him. So he gave us power. Power to hope. Power to endure. Power to love. To have compassion. To set the captives free. And to do greater things in his name. So, Father, I come to you now in that name, the name above all names, the name of Yeshua, the only name in heaven by which we might be saved. And we are. I come to you in that name. I come to you in that power. I come to you on behalf of your sons and your daughters, that whoever would listen to this would hear, that their hearts would open, that the chains would fall off the the scales off their eyes, the wounds on their bodies healed inside and out. The pain and the rejection and the brokenness given to them by parents or, or spouses or partners or friends or whoever, that you would bathe them now in your glory from the throne room, which is filled with love, and it offers hope in the darkness of this world, this fallen, dying world that those of us that have been risen in you spiritually, but called to be your remnant, called out to go and to do and have a desire, 
We call for this power. We call for the provision. We call for everything needed to go set the captives free, to go get that lamb out of the lion's mouth, to go and look for the ones that have wandered away, looking for what they couldn't find in that dead building that they call a church. We're asking for that right now. We're asking for the power of the Holy Spirit to rise up inside of us, for the fire to burn brighter, for the desire to be aflame, the love for you and for the lost to burn so brightly that they would look toward us and say, I don't know what it is you have, but I want it. So, Lord, let it be so. Let it be so in accordance with your word, in accordance with your will, and confirmed by your Holy Spirit. And I pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.